the experience of the materials is the, another part that's really important to me. I've worked with, uh, well, I started out in architecture school in Germany. So it was unfortunately before all this nice stuff is, was starting to happen there. So now I've really been back since. Um, I got pretty frustrated with that because it was all about how to hang glass facades and concrete um, panels and things like that. So I got back, uh, I came here and started looking at the not so healthy ways of building and was starting to wonder what other possibilities there might be and uh, ran into a poster that was talking about building with earth that the Cobb Cottage had put out. Yanko Evans has taught many of us a lot of uh, different ways of, of approaching the world in general and building it in particular uh, and is still always inspiring to everyone and you might have been at this presentation on Sunday or on Saturday. When did we arrive here? So the, the feel of the materials then to get into materials like earth is a really grounding experience. It is something that connects you with something that you have forgotten that you are connected with, possibly. It's very similar to people who have gardens and, and they, real, they recognize that there's something going on that's beyond the, the physical actions of gardening. There's a, there's a, a thing that happens about time. There's something that happens about just how you relate to everything else. Um, one thing that I say often to people, they ask, how long does it take to learn how to build with cob? It can take anywhere from a couple of hours to you never do. But basically, it, what it is is if you expose yourself and you start working with it and you keep working with it, eventually, these materials teach you. You get away from having people tell you things. You can just go and observe, pay attention, and it's just like the garden does, it'll teach you too what works and what doesn't work. So I find that it's very much true for these kinds of buildings as well. So that's me. Finally, after years of at the drawing board activities, I, which I could never figure out building myself, I didn't, never felt like a builder. So I, I learned to get myself into the site, into the process, and felt like I had some power there and some capability without having to deal with tools that I wasn't able to manage or if the competition of all these people that already know better. And that's one of the, another really wonderful thing about car building is the approachability. People from three years up can be quite comfortable to become quite confident builders very quickly. Is the is it is are the pictures visible for you who are sitting in the light back there? Okay. So um, after taking the workshop with Yanto, um, I went home and one concept that he introduced to me that was completely unknown to me was you can build a house without owning land. The biggest hurdle in people's lives quite often is you can't make the first step because you don't have any land. So he suggested that you can talk to somebody who has land and say, I'm going to build you a really cute cottage, and I want to live 
in it for uh, whatever number of years, and then you can have it, or make some other deal. And I thought, well, this is interesting. I don't know if that works, but I do like that idea. And I went home and was walking down the street and talked with a woman who asked me to help her with her garden while she was not there, while she was on holidays. And we started talking about the land, and she said, yeah, she would really love to have somebody else on the land. And long story short, we got the opportunity to build on that land without having to put a penny on land. So let's do the next slide. We started out early in the year on this land, clearing first, and then we said, we want to move here as soon as possible, even though we were just down the street. There's nothing like living right on the side to get you into the building. Um, so we decided we were going to build a little cabin. 100 square feet is something where you don't have to worry about anybody coming around saying you can't do it. So it's about 7 feet wide and 11 feet long, a little bit more. So we, we, we were building a very temporary structure. And like temporary structures go, they end up staying for a long time. <laughs> um, so we stacked up some tires, uh, dug up uh, some soil. There's lots of clay in the soil. It was perfect stuff. And we stuck some, some branches in from the trees that we had cleared. This is all alder. And we just started playing. And so this is, this is sort of the very rough approach. There's no expertise in this. There's no real training. There's nothing. We, we were just putting sticks together, sticks and mud and straw. So we're going to figure out this building. Somebody gave us some, some parts. We had a, a roof that had a certain size that somebody took off their porch. And we had a sliding glass door that we were intending to use. And this was just supposed to be like a better tool shed, right? So we put the sticks in and we started weaving the walls. And it started feeling more and more like a basket. And I was getting these, these strange feelings of sort of memories. And I wasn't quite sure what that all was. So there we go. We, we took straw and we dipped it in, in mud that was right from another, from the excavation for the actual house that we were going to build. I just kind of mixed it up in the ground, hung the straw into this weave that we had created, and then we put mud on. You see a couple of different stages here. We had stuck some pieces of glass into that weave to hold them in place, and then just put the clay mud straight onto it afterwards to, to close the wall. Was then my two co-workers, that's my son and my partner. So he, my son was uh, four at the time, and he learned everything just right there, and was helping every piece of the way. Inside, we did some cod shelving and some stuff, and we were considering living in there for a little bit, or at least sleeping in there. So in the end, it looked like that. Oh, uh, uh, one part that I forgot to mention is we actually built it around in, around, partly around a tree. So part of that trunk was showing on the inside. And with that, this, the, in the top, you can see there's a piece of glass in the roof that actually looks up into the canopy of that tree. So it was just a really neat feeling to be in there, so connected to that tree, very hard to see open. We almost didn't put that square door in because it was just too ugly. But we were pretty committed by just we wanted to move in there. So three months after we had decided to go on, onto this land, we had this cabin and we moved. We moved our most of our stuff into storage and we built a little sleeping platform in there. 
and we had a little fireplace in it. And the three of us lived in there with our dog for quite a while to build the other house. Uh, I think there's one more picture of this. Uh, this is a, sort of a peek through the window to the inside. You see the light from the top. There's the bed at the bottom of the trunk of the tree in the back. And as small and as crowded as this might have been, it was, I would say, one of my favorite places to live. And there was a lot of sort of common purpose going on, and the relationships were working really well, and the energy was very focused on creating this place. And people came from all over the place to help us with the building process of the other building. We actually did stay through the winter, where then we, we had uh, some kitchen and, and that kind of stuff in, in the other building at that time. So, so much for starting out building. I've since uh, done a whole lot more, and I feel more and more confident with that, and it's a continuous learning and exploration on new pieces all the time. And uh, mm -hmm. I started working with Cobworks about, we created Cobworks about three years ago, and there are three of us. And I want to just quickly introduce Tracy, who's laying there with a towel around her head. I don't have any picture of her. <laughs> so that's Tracy for you for now. <laughs> Next picture. And that's Patrick, and I don't have a good picture of him either. Many of you know her. So I'll have to go and take some better pictures of them. If anybody has a good slide of Tracy or Patrick, send <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible for taking pictures of houses and not of people. So, so like the architectural magazine thing. OK, there's Tracy and Patrick, and we together work to build with Cobb and teach Cobb. And, uh, built nice places, particularly uh, on the southern Gulf Islands in BC. So I'm going to run you uh, and tell you about a few of the projects that we have done in recently, and some that we didn't do, but other people did. And this is sort of a little peek across the border for you. It looks like a pretty international picture here tonight. Pictures from Germany and all over. So here we go, Canada. Garden walls are one of the, the funding projects, and people have been approaching me here about building garden walls a lot because it's something that we can incorporate into an urban uh, context very easily. Fences and things like that are not regulated that tightly, and they're not such a structural worry when it comes to earthquakes and things like that. And so in this case here, we're up on the top of a hill in a garden where the owners were looking for a way to create like a patio scenario that would hold in some of the energy of the place. So they have this grand view and energy leaks very quickly when the place gets too wide and too wide open and you can't sit there and just be with who you're with because you're continuously drawn sort of out into the view or into the distance. So this garden wall was set up to serve that function while still preserving op opportunities to look out into that beautiful view. You can see that we've capped this wall with slate, and it's working fairly good. One problem that we have on Vancouver Island and the, the Gulf Islands is it does rain a lot. 
and then occasionally it does freeze. And when carb gets soaked and then freezes, it expands and loses some of the surface and gets damaged. So we have to find out ways where we can protect the surfaces from soaking and, and getting uh, saturated with water. Next. Another place in that same patio where we have a little window and a seat. I don't know how visible that is from here. I can't see it at all. Um, I'm just going to quickly go to the next picture. There we go. A large oven incorporated in this. The house is um, on solar panels. So around Christmas time, the turkey doesn't cook very well on solar panels. So they wanted to have a large oven that they could cook their, their bacon meals on in. So you see, we're using a stone foundation. And the finish on this, uh, the surface here, is a horse manure and clay mix, which works fairly well, but not 100% satisfactory on the garden walls. Another example, sort of a meandering wall that rises out of the ground. You can create, you can shape and create anything you want. Again, the puzzle is how do you cap it and protect it. A little detail for those who are into cob building here that works quite nicely around stone foundations is if you're cutting, after uh, applying the plaster, if you're cutting back into the stone in an angle, it treats like the, the shadow line. We use that a lot. A really fun project we did for Earth Day one year in Courtney on Vancouver Island was uh, the, the patio wall for a restaurant. They wanted to have a, a one season set up originally the site was supposed to get developed with some new building and everything was coming down. So they said, we just want something for the summer to enlarge in our patio and can we do something cheap? And I said, well, we could do a workshop and the materials are almost at no cost at all. And so we can just bring a bunch of people here and we'll have some fun and we celebrate Earth Day and you'll have a patio wall. So they decided that that's what they wanted to do. The day before the workshop started, the whole scope changed the the development was called off and all of a sudden this is a wall that was supposed to stay. And I said, now there are no guarantees that something like we can do in this workshop is going to survive without you putting a roof on it. So this wall is no longer there. <laughs> but it looked really good for that summer and I have some nice pictures of it. And here's a piece of it, this lizard-like creature is climbing up on the oven and you can see the chimney that's there. The bread oven was a, a really nice idea and people really enjoyed it, but the health inspector came along after the first baking and said, you can't sell this bread. Uh, so it wasn't used all that much after that. You can see, it was very, very simply built. Maybe we'll go to the next picture with this. You can see on the bottom, the, the concrete slab that was already there, uh, we put urbanite. We just laid down one course of urbanite, which we call the broken up concrete chunks that are all over town. We also collected a number of odd steel pieces that were that we found uh, under a hedge in the neighborhood and a, a few old bed springs. So this was all about recycled materials and creative use of that. You can see that archway that was uh, a, a, 
a strip of a bed string that we could have cut off and just hung a bunch of mosses into. That's not a good idea to do because the water runs down that wire in the wintertime and um, gets into the carbon basically destroys your wall. The different colors that you see were achieved by uh, using different colored uh, potter's remnants clays. So there's red clay, white clay, gray clay, uh, and then different pigments. So a little bit of yellow ochre and some red iron oxide. So with a, a range of that, you end up being able to get a whole bunch of colors on the surface. Now, in this uh, event, we had a lot of school kids join us every day. And so they were very much into sculpting little figures. We'll go to the next picture. Part of it was uh, creating a bicycle place. So we had these cuts into the wall that allowed you to put the wheel of the bicycle and to stand it up. And then, the, then some chains were embedded into the cart that you could lock your bicycle to. I really liked that part of the wall. I thought it was a... People were a little puzzled. They didn't quite know how to use it, but it, it worked out in the end. So we kind of parked one there for a long time just for people to understand how to <laughs> You can see that some of the uh, bits of car were actually left exposed, like this one uh, round piece right there, just so, to show people what it was, what the material actually was. This is a bit of bigger piece. This person who, who made this uh, uh, water creature had never done any sculpture at all, nor had they ever done any cob, but she was only there for a couple of days. So it is really an easy thing to learn, and they're very, uh, for some people, so inspiring that they just jump right at it and start sculpting. We're experiencing, experiencing that here, too. <laughs> And you can see that we incorporated things like little driftwood sticks and, and some fairly fragile elements. And this is in the downtown area, it's a small town, but still an area that does get quite a bit of vandalism. And none of this was ever touched by anybody. And it, it feels to me like there's, it has something to do with the kind of energy that is around this that just feels better and doesn't invite um, resistance. This is a, one little example in downtown Victoria that a friend of ours, John Freeman, did with a group of volunteers. A little garden shed in a community garden. It's another thing that is really easily done in an urban context. I can't say a whole lot about it. I think it has since received a living roof. A structure that was that we worked on last fall. This is a, a three-room rejuvenation cabin for an Ayurvedic um, treatment center on Salt Spring Island. It's unfinished at this point. This picture is taken this spring. So, uh, relating back to the roots that we were hearing about before, this roof here has a membrane, and then we put on net, uh, some some ground from the forest. We wanted, to we wanted to stay with the forest that was right around it. So we just picked up stuff from the ground, laid some netting over it 
to hold it from sliding when it rains. And then put some more mosses and things like that, bark and leaves. And it's at this point looking good, but it was only on there for this winter. So we'll see how it works. There are some points where it's going to run off and we need to uh, work on how that's going to flow away and how we deal with that next. So this is a very specific design. It's not at all solar or anything like that because the, the old texts were prescribing very little light, one completely dark room, one room with a very small window, and one room that has some daylight. So it is a very specific thing and really amazing experience to work with and to work for these people who are teaching us all this theory. We're going back in a couple of weeks to finish the interior of this building. A few years back, uh, John, who you saw the little cabin of, uh, had come to a workshop and he said, oh, my parents own land on Lemon Island and I want you to teach a workshop there. I want them to do a cob house. And so they had bought this land that had a log structure with a concrete slab and they wanted to move into it temporarily until their actual house was done. So we took a group of people, we had a group of people there and uh, built the the walls and the ground floor to this building. One really challenging piece here was that we first started out putting the cobs directly onto this old slab, and we found that it was not drying. It was, it, it, we were like three days into the workshop and the cob was just not getting any drier at the bottom. It just kept being really, really wet. So I decided to dig under and slide stone slabs under the cob both inside and outside, and that solved the problem right there. So if you're building onto a, an existing old concrete slab, even if it's raised off the ground, it appears that the water inside the cob that's in the mix does move down and needs to go somewhere instead of sitting on a flat, like perfectly level slab. Mm. Now the slab was all straight and then the whole building was really square. We decided, well, first of all, cob walls aren't very strong if they're very straight. So we decided we were going to have the wall meander a little bit, and that way the light plays better on the surface, and you get different spaces inside and out to, to you know, tuck in a bench or have a window oriented slightly sideways, that kind of thing. So you see how we broke the lines, and you see how the shadows are different on the walls. Just can't help doing a little add-on. Well, for those of you who don't know what cob is, I was, should just quickly say, where's that ball right now? Way in the back corner, okay. Um, it's a cob is a mixture of sand, mostly sand, as coarse as you can get it, or handle. Uh, some clay, enough to make it stick together, and straw to have as a sort of a reinforcement inside the mix, and a little bit of water to make it soft enough to move. So you want to have the material pliable, but solid to build with. You're building without forms. You have complete freedom of shaping. You don't need to pre-plan a lot of stuff. 
cog gets dry and gets quite hard, but it can be worked again. It's not like concrete where when you make a mistake, you're stuck with it pretty much. Um, so here's another structure. And don't get mis misled with all these log structures. Cog is completely capable of load-bearing uh, big roofs, no problem. And you'll see that in later pictures. So these people chose to build their log structure. They had seen some pictures of sunrace work, and there's a big stump hanging off one of the logs. You can't see it here. So they, they just wanted to show the wood that was from the land. All the materials on this project actually did come from that land, which is quite uh, nice, considering transport energy and all that kind of thing. The glass, of course, didn't come from there. So we, once again, we did the infill under a log structure for this uh, music and guest studio on Main Island. We have a couple of inside pictures. Is there a way we can turn those lights off? Because this is not coming up very well. Not those lights. These lights? As well? I don't know. I think it's more those black ones that are reflecting. Is that better? I can't see the colors very well. This is actually turned out to be a really colorful place. We have some reds and some browns and, and yellows in there. The finishes on the cob walls on the interior that we've been using are made, again, from the, the pottery remnants, really fine clays mixed with sand. And sometimes we mix the pigment right in, and sometimes we apply the pigment in yet another layer uh, and a lease wash or several layers if we want to. Okay, somebody's looking for the light switch out here. Um, you can see here these windows don't have frames, uh, which shows how we can set in glass and windows <laughs> in cob walls that can be any shape they want to be. The window, the glass has, does actually not have to be the shape of the the finished frame of the window. We just build the cob around it, in front of it, however we want to do that. Opening windows, you would include a frame and then uh, build the cob up against the frame. The furniture here, the seats are also cobbed. They're just built right in as the building goes up. So when you see pictures of buildings coming up, they really look a lot like they're growing. And if you Pay attention, you can really just grow it, and when the walls are up and the roof is on, you're just about done. Built in shelves, stone slabs in this case, the sandstone is also local on the island there. We had, this is actually a, has a bit of a story, this shelf. Um, I was looking around one day in the middle of a workshop, and we were putting in windows everywhere, and it, this place was just surrounded by windows, and there were all different shapes, and it's I felt like this is totally getting out of hand. There's no more, you know, balance anymore to the to the openings, and it's just, there's windows everywhere, and you're not seeing anything particular on some of them. So this opening here was a window, and we decided that that was one particular window that really wasn't necessary. So we filled it in in the back, and we created these shelves. And at the end of the day, the owner had been away for that day, and we went to the owner and said, we we did something here. We changed something. Go find it. <laughs> uh, he walked around for a long time. And 
<laughs> didn't notice. So it, it was pretty clear that that window was not such a good idea and that the shot maybe was a very good idea because obviously it, it wasn't a bad experience at all. There's a little niche with some yellow in the upper part and some red on the bottom. And this is the, the place, uh, the house that we built that has been uh, shown in many places. It's Hildy's house. Uh, Hildy is a, is a retired librarian who lives on Main Island. Uh, she fell in love with Cobb when we built one cabin, and she said, I want one of these, and you come and build it, and let's have a workshop. And we had a number of people there for three weeks, and Yanto came, and him and I did a workshop there to build this cabin. The three weeks with about 10 people brought the walls up to the first floor, as in to the level of the loft floor. <coughs> so you're looking at the east side, a little bit of the, on your, on your left is sort of the south side. It's morning light in the summertime. The light goes into the kitchen windows on your right. And this corner window is a, is a little eating nook that you're going to see from the inside in a bit. Upstairs is a bedroom. Is it a cob column in the corner window or wood? That is a wood post, post. in the corner. Yeah. Okay, let's have the next picture. The inside is a, is a pretty simple layout. There's a circular sitting room. Um, off of which the kitchen and, and uh, eating space uh, are accessed and also you have a, the staircase going up into the second floor and a, a contact. What's happening? Sorry. Okay. Uh, so it, it's sort of the, the core space of this little house. And that's actually coming to me as a bit of a question now in, in the sense that it turns into too much of a corridor and not enough of a being in place uh, from a design point of view. The use of the, the room isn't as nice as we were hoping it would be. There's a lot of attention to be paid when you're uh, creating a small space, which is desirable, but it's also, you have to pay a lot of attention to where are the places you want to be in and where are the places that you need to use to go in, to go through and what are you, how are you cutting one space off from another or how are you making your way from one to the other. So remember that every door you put anywhere creates a corridor that leads to it. So we're looking at a seat that's looking to the west beside a fireplace. And we'll go to the next picture. There's the fireplace front and view towards the hallway. One thing I really like about the, the shapes you get when you're building with earth is, is you have curves that meet curves and they have a different kind of a impact than if straight lines meet straight lines. Peek into 
the kitchen here. Um, Can we start over? <laughs> so you see the arch. We, this is a five-foot arch that was built uh, during the workshop over a form, and we have built another five-foot arch that was built without a form. And really, there isn't a whole lot of difference. This one here had a big crack in it at first that we filled, and after that it was okay. The form just kind of gets you to take risks that you may not, maybe shouldn't take. Mm -hmm. But uh, you can build an arch both ways. What's the floor? The floor is sandstone, sealed. So again, local stone. It's I. It looks really good, but I don't want to sweep it. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. To try and clean that is, is a nightmare. So I think of, uh, of floors as something, as from the point of view of a lazy housekeeper like me, uh, I want it to be pretty flat. It can be colorful, but it's got to be flat and easy to maintain. Of course, when you're building a, a curved building, you're looking at building in furniture, custom things. The easiest way to do that is with mud. It bends real easy. Okay. So looking down the kitchen, on the back end you see the, the door to the pantry, which is a, a cool room that has some vents to the north side of the building. No fridge. We're stepping back again into the living room and there's a staircase that leads up to the loft. Now this is a permitted building. We did have a building permit. Uh, and they recognize the staircase more like a ladder. So it doesn't quite qualify as a full staircase in the sense of building codes. It's a very interesting experience walking up these stairs because they get steeper as you go up. <laughs> so when you go up, you slow down because they get steeper. And when you go down, you slow down too. You start over faster and you slow down again. So the cob walls here, as you can see, are carrying the, the load of the floor. The beams are going right into the walls. And this interior circle is very thick because it is also carrying the second floor exterior wall and the roof. Tighten the focus a little. Is there something we can do about the focus? As you build it up, it, it does a bit of shrinking, it moves forward sideways, and, and all of it you want to you want to trim, you want to be able to trim. So to stabilize that was a bit of a challenge. And then in order for the boards not to bounce as you're using them and weaken the the cob underneath the tread, we put the driftwood driftwood uh, beams along the outside edge. My favorite room in this house is the upstairs bedroom before furniture. Mm -hmm. So it's not quite there anymore. That's about a 15-foot circle. And the, 
the headroom start, like the, the edge of the room is only about four feet tall. So it starts low like this and sweeps up very quickly. And it never feels like you can't approach the wall. So that teaches me something about how we can have safe height by just bringing the roof low in some areas where we don't need to get that close. And you really don't hug the wall very often. You don't get real close to the wall in your house. Think about it. Hildy insisted on having uh, two windows on the east side and a similar opposite on the west side. So she would have the morning light and also the evening light. Now this has, there's furniture in. And you're looking at the west side now. There's a little balcony attached so you can step out and uh, pretend you're doing it. <laughs> so again, she, she sat down and designed the furniture and uh, had a local cabinet maker build it for her. That's a view over the balcony out into a valley. Uh, more built-in furniture. Of course, being on an island like that, we have lots of access to driftboard. It just lays around the beach, and you just go and pick up the nice sticks and connect them for a while and figure out how you're going to put them together. These windows are a really interesting example about something where people say, why would you put windows there? And you don't have a view. You can't see anything. You look at them on your side of the roof, but they give the space. And the, when you're on the bed, you have a totally different feeling about being in there. It's not a closed wall. It has some transparency in there. Some light reflecting, and the whole thing just gets a different feeling. So not all windows are about a view. Now, the Denman Island people really liked the first experience with Cobb, and they decided they were going to build another Cobb house. And they decided not to host a workshop this time, because a workshop does take a lot of energy on the part of the owner. They wanted to be paying more attention to exactly what they wanted and how they wanted things to look. So they hired a crew, and we had a crew of uh, seven to eight people on there for two and a half months, building these exterior walls of this house. We're looking at about 300 linear feet of wall, most of them only 8 feet high and 12 inches thick. And then this one piece of the building has a basement. So we uh, developed a few themes, like the belly from the foundation and the, the window sills and the, the double arches you'll see through these pictures. Uh, this is a house that is very much a hybrid of uh, sort of ways of buildings that people recognize as, you, you know, your regular house. We have a concrete foundation, we have a crawl space, we have a wooden floor. We have the exterior walls are load-bearing for the roof, and we have a, a center beam, which has, on the inside, has a buttress on the cob wall. So we're going to go around this building a bit. This building is about 1,800 square feet in the, on the floor plan. And it took two and a half months just cob. Okay, just for the cob walls to be built. The rough cob walls, that does not include the finishing. 
I can't hear that. Seven people. Seven people crew, yeah. He trained the crew and then they just kept working. So the exterior at this point still doesn't have any plaster on it. You can see the, the car wall. And we, we did go back and put the, the relief sculpture of the trees, which resemble the forest that's all around this building. Long, tall, sort of spindly trees with only a bit of canopy at the very top. One thing that we learned in this process yeah, okay. um, is that when you're trying to do details like these window sills, don't do them while you're building the building. Do them afterwards. Leave a really rough edge that you could build to in the beginning and then deal with it when you have the time to focus on just that. And you can carry on that form all around the building and you develop it and then you can stick with it. It's very difficult for two different people to do the same shape. We all have different imprint somehow with our hands. And in this case, we redid most of these stills about three times because they either got bumped into or something fell on them or they, they just got wet. All kinds of reasons that they broke and, and, or they were out of, they just weren't quite right. So we had to redo and redo and redo. So a recommendation there is to just wait and do it later. So you're looking at the entrance ramp that has since then, there's another wall right up the side of it. They were actually trying to set up a system where the, it, there's a, a retaining wall here, where they were going to catch the water and run it on the top of this wall and then guide it out. It, they say it wasn't working very well last winter. so. I don't know if they're going to stick with it. An interior view, so an open living space. One thing that costs a lot of money in houses quite often is when you're building on, on round buildings is to try and get a roof to fit, to keep it a simple roof. One thing that worked really well here is the roof is actually flat, a flat plane, but it meets around end of the building, which creates that nice sweeping line at the end. <coughs> so you can keep a fairly simple roof if you're trying to save money and trying to yeah, work with somebody who isn't exactly a boat builder. Another thing that we developed for this place was a way of building arches over large pieces of glass and still have an opening window below. So we set in a, a box, a spare box, for to receive later a, a framed window. And then above that, we built in a big piece of glass into the car. OK, let's go on to the next one. Right, the entrance way. Receives you with a nice little bench. One of the bedrooms. Little bits of colored glass inside above, smaller pieces of glass. Really kind of play with light and give you just a different lightness around the arches. The experience in cob houses for a lot of people is one of peace and, and just kind of 
stopping, stop the world, and here I sit. I just want to stay here. When you're building thick walls, you have a lot of options that you don't have when you have thin walls. So you can orient your windows, you can play with the sills, you can have it inside or outside. You can create privacy, you can create views. You just start looking at windows in a whole different way. This is an old car windshield. Hidden in there. Okay. This one is set in an angle in the wall, as you can see, so you get a little bit of light from the east into the bathroom. And this is a project that I wasn't personally not involved with. Uh, you might be familiar with Hollyhock, which is a retreat center on Cortez Island, a little farther north, uh, east of Vancouver Island. They decided to build a public sanctuary in their orchard. And you can see here a combination of, no, you can't see it here very well. In the next picture, you'll see. Let's go to the next one. Um, whoa, that's out of focus. There we go. You can see a nice combination of natural materials. Stones collected from the beach, some beautiful driftwood posts and beams, and then the cob infill around that. Actually, the cob is snowbearing for the most part. The cob cottage did a workshop there in 1995 or 1996. This picture also shows another challenge that uh, we find is to how to build a good edge around the roof. And there are nicer solutions out there now. So you notice the skyline at the top of this. Uh, you'll see how it looks inside in another picture in a minute. It's actually a, sort of a theme that was used here at uh, Mark and Pedro's place too, a similar skyline. Okay. You see uh, how the roof climbs up. It's, it starts actually almost at your hip level on the back side of the building and climbs up. It's a really interesting feeling when you can actually get that close to the roof surface and look at it. It's not something we usually experience. So this also is a living roof. Just loose straw on there with netting and some rocks to hold it back from the edge. And then they just let it go. I don't know what it looks like now. It's, this picture is a few years old. <clears throat> the inside, whitewashed, pretty simple. And there you see that skylight light spot that moves around the room as the sun goes through the sky. Not everybody finds a beautiful piece of wood like that either. Another building also on Cortez Island, also started with a Cobb Cottage workshop, is at a property that's called Channel Rock. This is a walk-in location or boat-in location. So they were really interested in keeping uh, transportation down and having stuff only from their land. A very heavy, large building 
with significant amount of stonework. There's a big retaining wall around the back here, and then again in the front for the foundations and the steps. It also is passive solar orientation, looking out onto another garden orchard. Um, this living roof, again, it has on the back side, on the shaded side, they put mosses and, and things from the forest. And on the front side, they put grass. So they went with the, the natural condition up there. There's the southern exposure. And this is before the roofing went on, or before the, the living roof went on. You can see the membrane put down on the roof. So a lot of stonework. We're going to get a little closer. There you go. Big steps. A lot of talent on the island. Very good craftspeople working on this building. And the inevitable oven. And here's a, one example of playing with the water as it comes down. It, the water gets collected. On the edge of the roof, there's like a hidden gutter all around it. And above here, you see that spout? The water comes down there and lands on these rocks. And the rocks just kind of slowly run it off into the ground. I can really agree with what uh, Eugenie was saying earlier about uh, playing and getting creative with the water. And I would love to see some water sculptures or kinetic things with water. And especially in an area where there is a lot of rainfall and where we get frustrated about all that rain that we're getting. And we forget how much the environment that we live in has to do with that amount of rainfall. Okay, next one. Some more craftsmanship on the door details. Before the building was actually finished, we had a plaster, uh, sort of an invitational work party there with Carol Cruz and Linda Smiley, and uh, learned how to do the clay finishes. So these walls aren't quite dry yet, so they're looking a little blotchy. The building has an earthen floor as well. <coughs> and you see the, the big roof structure that is carried by the walls, very heavy, massive beams. The funny thing that happens when you do finishing work and plaster work is uh, when you're building cob, people are kind of, they walk in and they kind of keep their hands behind their back or in their pockets or something. And as soon as you're doing plaster, everybody wants to touch the wall. There's something that happens that you just want to touch it and, and feel those lines. And if you're building a, a cob house and you're going through all the steps, you're rubbing your walls many, many times for different reasons. And you're, it, it really feels like you've, you have touched every inch of that wall many times. And I do very strongly believe that that has a lot to do with the feeling in these buildings. Did you sand the cob? Say again? Did you sand the cob? Did we sand it? Yeah, it's pretty no, this has, this is, you're looking at a, a layer of plaster that has really fine straw in it and that gets hard troweled, sort of polished, burnished with a, with a steel trowel. 
so it becomes really smooth. And if in round parts we use things like little pieces of plastic, like cut out yogurt lids, whatever, that kind of thing to to work the curves a little bit better. The, the Japanese have some really nice tools for things like that. Have a look also at how the transition is done here from the cob to this piece that was there, and they wrapped this around. I have no idea how they did it. <coughs> Definitely a very nice sort of transition of how to do things. And another window. Playing with the light. So we're going into the fun part of Cobb here. The sculptural elements, this is totally out of focus. Um, this is one of the windows that we did at Hildy's house where we built a, a small shower that felt really like a, an enclosed space and we didn't know where to look. So we put an eye inside that is about 10 inches across maybe instead of an eye an eye shape, and we flared it out to the outside, so on the outside the, the eye is at least twice as wide, so you can look out, and you look out onto a pond from your shower, but nobody can look in because the opening is just completely shaded and it's all reflection. There's the detail on the Denman Island house again. This is the entrance to Patrick's cabin. That was the first main island cabin that was built. So what kind of person would you imagine behind a door like that? Little window. No, not this one. This one just got some, some cob put in it. This glass is not broken. You can do that with broken glass. You can use broken glass to do this kind of stuff. In this case, we just wanted to play around. This was done by a guy who had never done any sculpture before. We were pretty let down with these bottles, so there is this one type, some type of gin. And actually, that's a, a, the, the coat of the blue actually peels off, so yeah. it's a bit of a disappointment. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we saw this beautiful picture of a blue bottle wall the other day. Another picture, uh, another bit um, relief that was done by somebody who had no, never done anything like that before. Now, when you're doing stuff like this on, in, the, in the rough car, you're going to have to really think about what you're going to do with plaster and if you're going to do plaster. So in the end, when this building got plastered, we just left this, this relief without. Hmm? We have to wrap up. We have to wrap up. We're almost through this one. We have one short surprise for you afterwards. Three-minute thing. Okay? Okay, we'll go through quickly here. Before plaster and after. Elise or live? Elise. 
I don't like mine. Me neither. That's uh, what the, the little the young boy that made this called him that royal family. Which of him and his parents? Always the sun. Faces. And symbols. That's the last picture of this tray. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you take a little clay and you take a little sand Mush them all together in your hand Take a little straw and you mix it all around You build a home with God's good ground do 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 well, all you really need is a little bit of time. All you really need is friends that don't mind. Playing in the clay, playing in the clay. We're gonna build a home today. Do 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 you can build a house with red, red brick. You can build a house with thin, thin stick. But when the mother shakes and the walls come down, you're gonna wish to build with God's good ground. Do 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 well, take a little clay and you take a little sand, mush it all together in your hand. Take a little straw and you mix it all around. You build a house with God's good ground. You can build a house that's square, you can tell me that you don't really care. But you take a little curve and you take a little dome, you build yourself a hugging home. You don't have to cut down all the trees, you don't have to build with OSB. You don't have to steal with your sheet supply. All you gotta do is just open your eyes. Do 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 Well, you take a little clay, take a little straw, mix it all together in your hand. Well, you take a little straw and you mix it all around. Build yourself a little house with your well, the Lola Baron's all gonna get together and sob Cause the whole world's gonna start building with cob Cob, 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 cob The whole world's gonna start building with cob Join in! Cob, 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 cob The whole world's gonna start building with cob Cop, 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 cop. The whole world's gonna stop building the cop. Cop, 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 cop. The whole world's gonna stop building the cop. Cop, 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 cop. The whole world's gonna stop building the cop. Cop, 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 c
cop, 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 cop. The whole world's gonna stop filled with cop. Cop, 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 cop. The whole world's gonna stop filled with cop. Yeah.